Welcome back, Compass Bible Church, to another episode of the Compass Equip Podcast. I'm Pastor Evan, and I'm here with Pastor Hayden. Here I am. Here we are, face-to-face. Looking in each other's eyes. It's been a while. It's been a while. But here we are. It's been awesome. (laughs) Well, here at Compass, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We do so by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training everyone to serve Christ. And everything that we do, including this podcast, and now as we're here together, is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, Compass, we continued our series um, this Sunday, this past Sunday, and house flippers, you know, talking about how dis- the discipline that works based off Colossians 3, verse 21, and I've been really enjoying reading these short verses. Well, here's Colossians 3, 21 as a refresher. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. All right, Pastor Hayden, what was your focus this past Sunday as you taught on Colossians 3, 21? Guys, it was great being with you this Sunday, worshiping the Lord together, singing His praises, sitting under His teaching, and fellowshipping with our brothers and sisters. So just so excited for that. Looking forward to these uh, life groups this week. And as we jump into them, just remember the main idea of this sermon is this. Comprehending, that means for us to understand the purpose of godly discipline is so important for anyone who desires to correct their child in a way that nurtures their soul and tames their heart. And so we recognize uh, in our world that we all have a problem, and it's called rebellion. And we all have rebellious hearts, and it's even to the the, the littlest of these, we have this problem Uh, that we have a rebellious heart. And so what we want to do in discipline is to nurture their souls. We want to bring them up in in the the teachings of the Lord. We want to bring them up in the admonitions of the Lord. We want to nurture their souls because we want to make them wise unto salvation. And we also want to tame their hearts. We have a rebellion problem. And so God teaches us through Scripture that we all have the same problem. So we want to use discipline in a way that brings our children up in the wisdom of the Lord and teaches them this problem at an early age. So as they are made wise unto salvation, they see this, they recognize it, they turn from it, and they trust in Christ. So there, there is our main idea. And they comes across in the three points that we talked about this last week is to, number one, tame the heart of your rebellious child. We understand that this is our goal as parents is to help uh, shepherd the hearts of our children. And because of that, we understand that they're wild in their heart, they're rebellious in their hearts, and they're going to show you a lot of those just in their day-to-day life. And so you will have no lack of opportunities to shepherd the heart of your rebellious child. And so we should. And the second point is to discipline for the purpose of discipleship. You know, discipline has got a bad rap for a very long time. Tons of studies out there uh, that, that are working towards trying to have less discipline in the home. Uh, but we have to understand as Christians that discipline is such a good thing. And often discipline is uh, given a bad rap because of how people discipline. Uh, I can imagine that the way Scripture teaches Christians to discipline uh, doesn't usually come out in a good applicable way when it comes to non-Christians who discipline their children. Because if you're disciplining your children uh, in an ungodly way, you could be using godly principles in an ungodly way. But for Christians, we want to discipline for the purpose of discipleship, that all the discipline that I'm going to enact in my home is for the purpose to lead my children to know the Lord. And that's the how God himself disciplines us, is by leading us closer to him through discipleship or and discipline. So discipline needs to be measured. 
It needs to be purposeful. It doesn't need to be out of anger and wrath, but out of a desire to see your children be brought into a relationship with God. And so, therefore, we need a discipline for the purpose of discipleship. And finally, we ourselves, as God's children, that is all of us from 99 to 0 who have turned from their sins and trusted in Christ, we need to make sure that we ourselves don't shirk God's discipline, that God also desires to discipline His children. Deuteronomy 8, 5 says this, As your father disciplines you, God also disciplines his children. And so it's a principle in Scripture uh, that God will discipline us, and we need to handle it appropriately and not give excuses and not, not uh, ex- accept nor confirm that God disciplines his children because he does. So we don't need to shirk that discipline. Right, Pastor Evan? That's right. So Pastor Hayden, that is what you taught on Sunday. Is there anything that you may have wished you were able to say on Sunday, but just ran out of time. Yeah, I, I just can't uh, impress enough on the fact that God truly uses discipline on His children, and it's not because He hates us or because He's gets some kind of kicks and giggles out of you know disciplining His children, but He does it to bring about holiness and produce fruit of, of godliness and righteousness in our life, and He does it for our good. And I think of verses like John 15, 1 through 2, that we all love. It's talking about abiding in Christ. And this is what it says in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So there we go. So if it's not bearing fruit, he takes it away. And that happens in the form of discipline. But listen to this. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So even the, the vines that are bearing fruit, he still prunes them. And that takes the form of discipline in many different uh, aspects. That is, you know, when you get pruned, that means something gets cut off. It hurts. It's painful. But God does it for this purpose, that it will bear more fruit. And so we need to understand that God's discipline for us is for our good, and it's to produce something great in our lives. And so I couldn't really... Uh, You can't really spend too much time on that. So it's a verse I didn't talk about on Sunday, but one that you can look to when you are under the good discipline of the Lord. All right, Pastor Hayden, we are entering this week as we prepare for our life groups, as we go through through these application questions and write down some answers. What is a focus you want us to have as we dive into these application questions? Number one, like last week, uh, what I want you to do is write down an observation or application that you've found particularly helpful from the sermon. It's just an easy way to get your mind going in uh, these application questions. Just think back to the sermon, or even as uh, you've listened to that sermon, maybe you've already done this, but as you think back on the sermon, write down an observation, something that really stuck out to you, or an application that you really thought, wow, that would be very, very helpful for me to institute in my life. And then be ready to share that with your life group, because you're going to help start engaging conversation as well as start uh, the uh, discipleship process in your life group. That is, as people hear you speak, they begin understanding the need to apply that in their life. And that's how you guys will grow and sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. And so that's a really great way to start your life group. Uh, And really the rest of it is simply this. Use these questions for personal application. That is, you read these verses, you read these questions, and write down how you can apply it. Not how your mean old neighbor can apply it or not how that person that you got upset with last week could apply it or, you know, how other parents in this world should apply these, but how you yourself can apply these. That means don't use things like third person. Uh, Use first person. I, me, I need to do this. Uh, 
myself <laughs> needs to do this. Just a lot of ways in these application questions, you need to nail down how is the Bible going to be used in your life this week to help you be a better disciplinarian, to help you be a better disciple. And so if you work from that perspective, you're not only going to be able to apply God's word better in your own life, but you'll also be able to help others in your life group apply God's word to their own life. And so those are the two things I would give you and encourage you with this week as you jump into your life groups. Pastor Evan, we are at that time in the podcast where we go over our daily Bible reading spotlight, and we got a lot to cover this week. So Pastor Evan, why don't you jump in uh, toward the end of Joshua and going into the book of Judges? All right, Compass Bible Church, this is a this is a fun time, but also it's going to be a hard one to read. The book of Judges is a great book to read, it has great lessons, but it will get harder and harder, and there's a reason why. And so as we finish up Joshua, Joshua's 21 to 24, just I want you to make sure we wrap this up well to remember what Joshua's trying to, to get at because it's going to be helpful to understand judges. You know, Joshua's you know, key teaching in the very final few, the final few chapters is his call to, for them to commit to God. The famous Hobby Lobby verse, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And this is Joshua at the end of his book, at the end of his life, telling Israel to sincerely and faithfully serve and fear God, to follow him. And Israel says, we will. And he makes a covenant with them to say, this is a, a witness against you, that if you disobey, God's curses will come. And we get to see how faithful he was at the very end of his life. I love Joshua 24, verse 31. It's just an encouragement of what good godly leadership can look like. Where Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who over outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. So it's just an encouragement for us as we plant this church, that we would be faithful to do so, and looking forward to seeing what God does as we make disciples in this area for years to come. But here comes the book of Judges. Dun, dun, dun. Now, the Hebrew term for Judges is translated as Judges, and so it's nothing really <laughs> surprising. But what it means is for a deliverer, not a someone in the courtroom, it's a, as the Lexham Bible Dictionary puts, it's a military leader that was raised up by Yahweh to deliver the people of Israel from their enemies. And so when you're reading each judge, you know, the 12 judges that were mentioned, there's you know 12 tribes of Israel, 12 judges, they're local <laughs> leaders. They're not necessarily national leaders, but they're local re- leaders, and there's a reason why for that. Um but the, one of the purposes of each judge is that God raised them, they're God appointed, but they're not what Israel necessarily needed to deliver them, but it's not what they really need. They need something greater. They need a king. And that's the purpose of judges, to really show us that Israel really needs a king. And not just a king for king's sake, but a king that follows after God. Because we look at the judges that they, some follow after God and some don't do such a good job following after God. And we see the repercussions of that as well as Israel's lack of following God in the book of Judges. So when you're reading Judges, instead of going, me going through a line-by-line breakdown of the outline, let me give you a couple tools to have in your pocket as you read these next few chapters. One is that this is a saddening, it's a saddening downward spiral of Israel's depravity into sin. It starts off pretty good with Joshua and you know, these judges are okay. And all of a sudden, by the end of judges, you're like, how can Israel 
be even alive right now. They don't, they're not even recognizable, and that's the point. They start off as a holy nation, and they're worse than the Canaanites that they removed. And that is one of the main points, that without a king, a godly king, Israel cannot function as they're supposed to function. They cannot be holy without a godly leader, a, a king after God's own heart. So it's a downward spiral, but here's the second tool you need to have. It's a, also a wheel. It's a pattern that you'll see over and over and over where first Israel does something evil. They they worship uh, false gods. So they provoke the Lord's anger and God becomes angry and gives Israel over to their enemies. Then Israel cries out for help, asking God to deliver them. God raises up a judge to deliver Israel from the enemies and they do so. And then they return to God. And then shortly after, the cycle begins again because they forget. Then they go back to their false gods. And so it's this unfortunate cycle, but it's to show Israel's great need to have a king, a leader after God's own heart. And I love that this week we get to read the end of Joshua and the beginning of Judges because we get to see God's point in this. What happens when we don't have leaders after God's own heart? I mean, first off, we can see this in the also brought to you by the Lexham Bible Dictionary that Joshua established land control, but in Judges 1, they lose, they lose land. In Joshua, he established an obedient, unified people. In, Joshua, in Judges 2, these people already disobey, breaking the covenant that was established by strong the strong leadership of of Joshua. And we saw that Moses even you know prophesied about this at the end of his life. He's like, I'm giving you all these laws, I'm giving you all these rules, and I know you're going to break them because you can't even obey when I'm alive. And when I die, I know you're going to break them again. And so it's just there's a prophecy that fulfilled through Moses again. And that should even though that it's like discouraging to hear, it should re encourage us that God knows what He's talking mm. about. God knows the future. He is in absolute control, and His plan will not be thwarted. And that we'll we'll talk about Ruth in just a second, in a week. But with judges, is that it's just reflecting the chaos of false worship. That reflects the chaos of tribal disunity. It reflects the chaos of just moral disobedience and the chaos of losing land because of disobedience. And so, the outline can be simply bookended in Joshua two, uh, verse ten through twelve. They went after their own heart. They did whatever that was right in their own eyes. And then in Joshua's 20, in the very end of Joshua, the very last verse of, sorry, Judges, excuse me, Judges 21, 25, it says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that's how the book of Ruth starts and the book of, Sa- the first part of Samuel starts with, in those days, there's no king of Israel because Israel desperately needed a, not just a king for king's sake, but a king that would love God's heart. And so we see in the beginning of Judges, there is no one leading. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. And then we see at the end of Judges that there they are, no king, everyone doing what's right in their own eyes again. Again. And they needed not just a king for king's sake, but a king that would deliver them. And this is like the the point. They need to turn to the kingship of God. And so when they choose, we will read this in Samuel, when they choose Saul, is what they wanted. But then God chose David and as a, guy after, as a man after God's own heart. And this is what it's alluding to. It's alluding to there's this God's plan is moving forward still in the narrative of the Old Testament, 
but it's looking forward to something that is revealed later. That's that, that king of kings that's described later in Isaiah uh, 9, verses 6 through 7, that where the government will be on his shoulders. This perfect king will have a perfect government. He'd be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over the, his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. This is what we don't see in Judges. It just goes down to depravity and disunity into a point to where they're unrecognizable as God's people. But as Luke 2, 11 talks about for you know the birth of Christ, that this is the Savior, the Messiah, the, the Christ of the Lord. And as we finally see in Revelation, it's all this pointing towards this moment here, that this, this king is the one that's the king of kings and lord of lords. And so what Judges is really pointing to is our need, not just Israel's needs, everyone's need of King Jesus. And for us as Christians, it reminds us we cannot be dependent on human leaders. We cannot be fully dependent on human leaders. Instead, we need to be fully dependent for the King Jesus to deliver us, not just from our enemies here and now, but the ultimate enemy of sin and death. All right, guys, there is your uh, synopsis of the daily Bible reading spotlight this week. We look forward to you jumping into the reading the whole Bible with us this year. And hey, guys, if you've missed out on some days or weeks, just jump back in. Let this be a little refresh, restart. Jump back in uh, in the book of Judges with us as we see how God deals with the disobedience of Israel through bringing them these redeemers and pointing toward uh, the king who will come, and that is in Christ. So uh, we want to also announce to you a new, that is a new current event series that we're going to do on the history of Easter and Easter traditions. And so we're not going to give you one week on it. We're going to give you a few weeks on the history and the traditions of Easter as we get to Easter and celebrating the risen Christ. So join us next week as we jump into a new current event series on Easter. So on that note, Pastor Evan, we got some big time, I mean big time announcements coming up in the life of our church. Would you like to start us out by letting us in on some things that are going on at Compass? Well, first off, if you have professed faith in Christ, if you've repented of your sins and placed your trust in Christ, and if you and have not yet been baptized, well, you need to register online at compasshillcountry.org because we have baptism service coming up on May 1st, mm. and we are so excited. People so have excited. People have already registered, but we mm-hmm. want everyone to be obedient to God's call to get baptized, to declare what he has done in you for his glory and for us to celebrate as a church. So register online today. You're gonna you're not gonna want to miss it. It's gonna be a great service, a great evangelistic service where people share their testimonies. They follow through the believer's first obedience and you can be there as well, even if you're not being baptized, to give encouragement to those who are being baptized. Uh, cheer them on as they are following through in the obedience of scripture in believers baptism. Also, we know it's coming. Easter weekend is coming upon Here us. We go. Which means we're gonna be in our, our new building. Pray about it. Pray about it. <laughs> 
So Good Friday services, 5 p.m. and 6.30 p.m. And Easter service at 11 Mm a.m. That's April 15th and 17th. And so make sure you are inviting your family, you're inviting your neighbors, you're inviting uh, the strangers you meet at HEB or at the bank, mm. you, the random people that you see on the sidewalk, throw them a flyer. You know, That's This right. is a time to invite people to hear the saving gospel of Jesus Christ at Good Friday service and Easter Sunday service. The gospel is going to be preached. We want people there to hear it, to respond to it, so they can join us in eternity in the blessed presence of our Lord. And so be there and invite people to Good Friday at 5 and 6.30 and Easter services at 11 a.m. And we're going to have something real big after the 11 o'clock service. It's really big. It's going to be really big. It's a lot of fun stuff. There's going to be stuff. A lot of fun stuff. A lot of stuff. And we're going to tell you all about that stuff, but not right now. We have a lot of stuff already booked. I mean... I, I, I want to tell them, but I'm not. There's some stuff planned. There's some big things happening. I mean, you're going to be full of food, full of joy, full of laughter, and full of the Lord. All right? That's so right. be there at Easter service. Invite people because there's going to be a giant celebration after Easter. And we're, we want everyone to be a part of it. We got some other ways to get people a part of this, don't we? That's right. What it's are Pastor we doing? Heath. I was going to say, what are we doing, Pastor? I'll tell you what we're doing. That's All right. right. We are going to have a church-wide outreach on Saturday, April the 2nd, from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. That, that is this. Our whole church is going to get together at our new facility. We're going to pray. We're going to pray, and then we're going to go out into the community, into a bunch of neighborhoods that are close to our church, and we're going to invite them to Good Friday and our Easter services. We want to pack that building out. It's a stewardship from God. We want to have two or three or four services in the future where we are preaching the gospel. We are seeing people saved. We are seeing people jumping into community, growing in Christ, getting into a life group, really getting into life on life with other Christian believers. And so what we want to do is we want to get out there and invite people. And so we want you to join us. Uh, at 8 a.m. on April the 2nd in front of our church building where we're going to pray and we're going to get out there and we're going to invite people to church and invite them to hear the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. And after we're done, we'll meet back at the building and we'll have some lunch together. Under the oak trees. Under the oak trees. We're going to have lunch under the oak trees. It's a very Texas thing. It's It's very very biblical. Biblical thing. It's not a sycamore tree, but it's an oak. It's like close enough. Close. What else do we have, Pastor Hayden? All right, we got something else real big that we think a lot of you guys will really enjoy. Also, sweat a lot. Uh, we have a church workday, Saturday, April 9th, and we have a lot of major projects going on at the church. Although the construction work not is not done or is about to be done, you know what's not going to be done? All the other stuff. <laughs> so there's a lot of things we need to do, a lot of hanging up, a lot of putting together, a lot of putting in place, a lot of cutting down. I mean, I can just keep going, but there's a lot of things that need to be done. And we're going to spend all Saturday on April 9th as a whole church getting into that building and just getting that thing put together, getting it ready uh, as uh, as we would our homes, as we're going to invite hundreds of people into this building to hear the gospel. And so we're going to have that big work day. We want you to be there. We're going to start. I'm sure we'll be there at 7 a.m. I'm sure people will be there at 4 a.m., but you don't because I won't be. Uh, we're going to be there early in the morning. We'll probably start around 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. We'll also have lunch there for you, too. So you really, if you want to eat, uh, just come to all these things that we're doing as a church and then just also participate in the advancement of the gospel. Uh, we're also going to have work uh, throughout the week uh, from April 2nd all the way to the 14th, the day before Good Friday, just to get this place going. And so uh, although we'll have a couple of big church-wide work days, we're going to have work days pretty regularly. And so if you're somebody who has the tools, the skills, and the knowledge of doing some technical things or uh, whatever we need for this building, we'll reach out to you or maybe reach out to us, and then we'll uh, get some other work days scheduled for specific teams as needed. 
There's a lot of stuff, isn't it, Pastor Evan? It's a lot of stuff, but so good. So good. I mean, how look how cool God is just just bringing everything together. Super cool. He's super cool, super <laughs> awesome, super sovereign. Super sovereign. And just to see how he is growing this church just at the right amount for us to be able to enter this building and That's just right. welcome in the crowds to hear the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't wait to look back in this moment years from now and to think people got saved today. People got day. saved. All right, guys. We are so grateful that you joined us on this week's episode of the Compass Equip podcast. We look forward to seeing you in Life Group and seeing you on Sunday as we jump back into God's Word. We'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.